Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. I am Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe, and thank you for stopping by. You know, I'm excited about today's episode. I'm actually having one of my guests. I think it's been maybe his fourth time on the show, and I'm excited to bring him back. Now, when you think about sales and marketing, yes, we're going to be talking about sales and marketing today, or is it really marketing and sales? I guess, depending on who you're talking to, how we might prioritize those words. But both of them, regardless of how you start off with sales or marketing, marketing or sales, it is a dynamic duo, right? They have to work together. Now, so many times over the years, I've heard companies talk about how sales and marketing are fighting and having, you know, disagreements, I'll call it, about how to approach messaging or how to approach sales processes or where, what to do uh, about leads, right? Leads, are they good leads or the bad leads? What are we going to do with all these leads? But let's step back from all of that and looking at the relationship between the two. I mean, think about dynamic duos, right? Well, of course, Batman and Robin come to mind, but we're not talking about that. Think about Sonny and Cher, Simon and Garfunkel, Brooks and Don, Dan and Shay, Loggins and Messina, and certainly Hall on the Oats. Just a few of the many dynamic duos when you think about doing something fantastic in the marketplace and building your business. Right, sales and marketing have to work together. Marketing has to work to define where you're going to sell. Where are the market opportunities? How do you differentiate from your competition? What is that messaging that sales can help deliver to really drive that home, close those deals, and drive revenue and growth and profitability? Now, those two work together, right? Because sales has a job to do and marketing has a job to do. And if we think about funnels at the top of the funnel, right? We're building awareness, we're building interest in your brand. And at some point in time, as we build that, it creates those opportunities now for sales to focus as opposed to going out just beating the bushes and trying to drum up business. That way, marketing can really help pave the way at the top of that funnel. Now, there's a lot of different aspects to sales and marketing, and we're going to get into some of those today with my guest, Rich Cacuzzo. He is the founder and the president of Sales Velocity Advisors. Now, if you listen to the show, you know Rich has been here before. And as a matter of fact, we've had some great conversations over the years. I think I think he's been on the show, like I said, maybe four times over the last three years since I've been in existence on the Business Growth Cafe. And so I'm really excited about this because Rich focuses on building high-performance sales teams. Now, some of that is building the processes, if you will. Some of that is helping to identify the right people. So I'm not going to steal the thunder of the conversation that's going to come up. I want you to hang on, sit back, as I like to say, get that notebook out, get your tape recorder. There's going to be some great nuggets in this conversation, I am sure. So I'll be right back with Rich Cacuzzo. At Kraft, our team of marketers provide consulting, interim, fractional, and leadership services focusing on the strategic and analytical side of marketing, and we take a holistic view to drive business growth. We are marketing architects. We use research to gather the necessary insights from your customers, prospects, competition, and the market to develop fact-based approaches to building effective and efficient growth plans. We call them marketing blueprints. 
Companies work with us when they need to launch, scale, or even pivot their business. By understanding how your company is positioned and perceived in the marketplace, we can help craft your messaging to be more relevant to your customers based on their needs, wants, motivations, and behaviors to ensure your marketing investment is optimized. After all, you wouldn't build a house without a blueprint, so why are you building your business without one? To learn more, visit craftmarketingarchitects.com. As I mentioned, I have Rich Cacuzzo, the president and founder of Sales Velocity Advisors. They focus on building high-performance sales teams. Rich, welcome back to the Business Growth Cafe. Angelo, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be back. It seems like it's been forever since we were together in the cafe. Yeah, you know what? It has been, but it hasn't been because... I've actually re-released some of our episodes uh, previous. I think we've done three. This might be four now, uh, maybe even five. We did a we did a P4 one at one point in time, but I re-released one about August. I think uh, our second or third one that we did together and had some great responses. Uh, and uh, I I was looking up the stats the other day, and and I've done a hundred and I don't know. 58 shows or something like that and that particular show maybe because i re-released it is in the top six of all shows so there we go i guess we're entertaining to the we, listeners yeah we're, we're something anyway for sure yeah hopefully informative too right yeah exactly exactly so um Let's assume we have some new listeners this time around. So why don't you take a few minutes and, and tell the audience uh, about yourself and your business? Sure. Thank you. Um, so my company is Sales Velocity Advisors, and um, we help companies build and lead high-performance sales teams. And we really do it in two ways. One is traditional consulting, where you come in, you assess what they're doing, uh, identify any gaps, and then... Uh, give a recommendation, a roadmap, if you will, on the path forward. Uh, in some cases, the client is satisfied with that and they want to DIY the implementation on the recommendation and you're done. You know, hopefully uh, they're happy and you've added some value. And then um, in many cases, though, uh, they opt to engage me uh, in more of a fractional ongoing uh, relationship where you're helping uh, implement the changes that were recommended. So consulting and fractional, helping build high-performance sales teams. Great. Thank you. And, and for those of you that, that have listened to the previous shows or certainly listened to me talk about the symbiotic relationship between sales and marketing, not always the case, but Rich and I have worked together with uh, quite a few clients over the last several years. We've actually met, is it three years or four years ago that we originally met? I, I think it's at I least going three. on. It's going to, yeah, I think I might be going into... Three and a half, almost four years. Almost yeah. four years. Well, and we're still and we're still here, still talking. Sales and marketing can get along, everybody. <laughs> so I want to break today down into kind of two sections. One for for about you as a business owner, and then the others we'll talk about some clients, uh, not specific clients necessarily, but kind of what we see from our perspective of sales and marketing and kind of in the coming year and some of the challenges. So my, my first question then really for you is, you know, we've gone through COVID, whether we're out or not kind of depends on listening to the news today. I'm not sure we're out of it yet, but what has been your biggest challenge in growing your business 
over the last couple of years? And then the part two of that is what do you see as your biggest challenges we head into the new year? Sure. No, great question. I, I, for me, the, the single biggest challenge was when I started because I was coming out of corporate America, having spent 25 plus years at FedEx in a variety of sales and sales leadership roles. So I was coming out of corporate America, starting my own business, you know, chasing that entrepreneurial dream. And uh, I totally underestimated how challenging that would be. Uh, and it's, it's not because I didn't have the, the sales and sales leadership experience and expertise. It was being able to connect with a small business owner, you know, in many cases, a family owned business. And, um, and really paint that picture on um, of how I can help, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, what they saw was somebody that, yeah, you seem credible and capable, but you're a suit. You know, you're coming from corporate and we're a $20, $30 million third-generation family-owned business. How can you help us? So once I was able to bridge that gap, and really the only way you can bridge the gap is by getting clients and being able to demonstrate that you can do the work in that small business arena. Once I was able to do that, it was off to the races. So that was the hardest thing for me, really just um, establishing myself, uh, creating awareness about my brand, my company and and our capabilities, and then, you know, getting some successes under the belt. And then, you know, once that was done, it was off to the races. Uh, So that's that's the prior challenge. Uh, it was the second part of the question challenges going into 22 going into 2022. This is an interesting time uh, for many companies. 21 was fabulous and it was fabulous because the comparison to 20 uh, was quite good. Right. I mean, so many businesses were impacted negatively when COVID hit lockdowns around the world. Right. And so business really suffered. So while many companies missed the mark in 20, there's a lot of companies that exceeded the mark in 21. And then the question becomes going into the new year, all right, well, what can we expect? Is it going to be continuing on that growth trajectory that you established in 21? Or is it going to be a, maybe a blend of 19, 20, and 21? Mm-hmm. So the challenge is, trying to forecast that accurately, right? And helping clients do that Uh, because there's, and then of course, as you said, you know, with this most recent COVID um, variant that's out there, there's always that over the shoulder, you know, are we gonna shut down again? Are there gonna be restrictive measures put in place? Some type of significant disruptor and, and, and nobody really knows. So, you know, you've got a plan for the unexpected and then also make sure that you can, uh, you can meet the expectations of your clients. And, and may I add, the other thing that wasn't an issue in 19 and 20, but it certainly was an issue in 21 and will be again in 22, are supply chain issues. Mm-hmm. And just being able to source what you need and when you need it. I mean, that has in and of itself, in some, in some ways, tamped down on the growth that could have been achieved this year um, so it's it's hard. It's really hard to forecast. And I'll, I have one more thing. It's not about just growing revenue. It's growing quality revenue, right? Uh, revenue that really uh, drives the, the bottom line profitability. 
So while there's a lot of companies that are up significantly year over year in terms of revenue, they're also up in some cases significantly year over year with cost. So I, I really think the opportunity and the challenge uh, going into 22 is accurate forecasting, but also uh, having an eye on quality of revenue and massaging that, which sales and marketing, that's what they do. Right. You know, it's uh, one of the interesting things. Now, we have a, a mutual client that, that has been impacted by their suppliers. They're a manufacturing rep organization. And mm-hmm. the, the products that they represent are now impacted by supply chain. So there's just this trickle. So they're impacted. They're getting price increases. Their customers are now impacted in the schedule. So supply chain is, is going to be um, something that everybody has to worry about. I've talked to a couple supply chain experts and they're still predicting this is this is going to at least th- uh, end of third quarter, fourth quarter of next year, if if it even goes into 2023. So that's certainly an area, you know. And and one of the things that that for me as as a marketer is is market research, and and that's part of that. How do you judge the market? How do you understand the pains of your customers? What are their challenges, and certainly how you service them? And I found that. In 2021, market research for me really took a big pop that coming out of 20, people really needed to know and understand. I've seen it calm down a bit, but I think that's a strategic mistake by not keeping your finger on the pulse of the market and your customers, to your point, to help forecast. How do you how do you forecast your sales to a channel if you're not talking to the people in the channel? So I think that's one of the bigger challenges that, that I see as a marketer and, and certainly impacting sales and marketing as we go along. But one of the ones you didn't mention, and, and I know you're involved in this, is people. Hmm. That a lot of my clients, and, and I'm sure some of your clients as well, and some of our mutual clients, are struggling to get the right people, find, frankly, find the people to fill the jobs. And, and I think this great resignation, a lot of that is going to continue to impact how far that goes. I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Um, you're 100% correct. So if you think about it, there's there's um, constraints, some some artificial, uh, but there's constraints in terms of supplies and of resources. And I look at people as an as a resource, right, as a, as an asset, uh, and it absolutely is affecting companies in two ways. Number one, there are good people they're leaving, uh, and they're leaving for a variety of reasons. In some cases, it's more money more upside opportunity. But in, in, in other cases, it's because the, the, it's the culture, the leadership is not what they want. They aspire to something better. And they perceive that something better is out there and they are pursuing that. So you've got that part of it. Um, in the sales arena, I think, or in, in really probably all disciplines, right, that are, that are more... Um, maybe more white collar in, in terms of what they do. You know, the idea that they're going to come to the office every day, COVID's changed everything. Work from home, you know, and the benefits and and downside of it too. There's not, it's not all pluses, right? But there's, there's so much to be said about working from home. And from a sales point of view, not having the travel in, in many cases to go see clients and prospects where pre-COVID, you wouldn't think twice about jumping in a car or mm-hmm. getting on a plane to go see a client or a prospect. So companies are struggling with retention and they're also struggling with um, hiring. 
I mean, I'll tell you, I've got multiple searches that I'm involved in right now. Uh, I probably have done close to eight to 10 uh, hires this year for a variety of clients across a, a number of industries. Going back to the spring, you could find great talent four to six weeks. Now, it, it's 10, 12 weeks or longer. It's, it's hard. It's really, and companies are spending more money right, than they planned on uh, to hire the right talent and the, and the right talent that, as I've talked about before, when you're talking about sales, candidates that have strong sales DNA, there, there's, there's, not, there's a huge demand. So they got multiple offers for multiple companies. Mm-hmm. So if in, in your company, not only does you have to be compelling in terms of the compensation package, right? And then sales, that's the base salary plus the, the bonus potential and benefits, right? Not only do you have to be competitive in, in that arena, but then you've got the culture and leadership piece of it too. And I've got candidates, this has never happened before. They wanna know how the, the company's is, is positioned from a meeting the client demand, meaning that like in the manufacturing sector, hey, so talk to me about the investments the company is making so they can meet the demand from the customers. Cause I wanna be able to, as a sales rep, sell with confidence that we can deliver on our value proposition. So it's it's correct, Angelo. That is really interesting. Thirty plus years, I have never seen a job market like this one. It is, and if you take the old school approach, and I can say that because I'm an old school guy. Uh, if you take the old school approach of, hey, you know what? We're hiring. We're making an offer. You should just say, where do I sign? And thank you. If you take that approach of one of arrogance, where you know, you're the, the employer and they're the employee, you're not going to get the top talent. And if you, if, you, uh, if you happen to get somebody who's halfway decent and that's the kind of way you run your business, you're not going to hold on to them. I mean, it, it is a candidate market for sure. And it's an employee market when it comes to do I want to continue to work here or go someplace else. Right. And I think that, you know, there, I did a podcast not too long ago with, with a, a lady that you know, and, and we talked about this great resignation and the fact that there's you mm-hmm. know, 4.3 million or at the time was it just a month ago that had resigned mm-hmm. from their jobs and 11 million jobs in the marketplace. I'm sure that di- dynamic has changed a little. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of opportunities. We know people are moving. And to your point, that thank you very much. I really appreciate you giving me this offer. It's almost as a side, right? Because I got five other ones I can sit and pick and choose and almost customize in the sense. And the other part of that is retention. Even when you ultimately make that decision and you bring somebody on, how are you going to keep them there? You know, if they if they were fielding multiple offers going into this, did they stop when you brought them in and, you know, that kind of stuff? Uh, you know, and, and, and it used to be that when you made an offer, you know, you got a, you got the yes right then and there. Now, you know, what we're seeing is people are like, okay, well, you know, send me the offer. I don't want to talk it over with my spouse. Can I have a few days to think it over? And, you know, you wonder, it's like, okay, you stalling for time because you're waiting for other offers. Are you going to shop this offer around? Or are you going to try to stay with your current employer? You don't know, right? So, you know, you have to assume positive intent, uh, give that candidate the benefit of the doubt uh, and, and wait. You got to wait. It's... Mm-hmm. Again, I've never seen a job market like this one. And it's interesting because, you know, you look at how the 
uh, you know, the unemployment rates have come down and, you know, it, it's like, where are you going to source this talent going forward? And the great resignation, it's not just hourly workers. It's not just hospitality and retail. It cuts across all industries. You know, granted, hospitality and retail probably more impacted. And that's because they're lowering, lower paying jobs. And people are surprised, surprised, and like, I aspirationally want to make more money. And if there's demands uh, and I have the skill set, then I'm going to elevate up, right? And mm -hmm. and uh, start competing for jobs that, that pay better. Uh, but yeah, it's it's an interesting, interesting market right now. So, you know, your focus on building high performance sales teams, right? That that mm -hmm. says people. But yeah. was people in the kind of the recruiting aspect always part of your mix over the last several years? Or did you kind of morph into this just because of demand from your clients? Um, I would say it's, I think people are always at the forefront. Uh, you know, the way I view it is when I'm evaluating a sales organization, I'm looking at it from three, three different, um, three different venues. I look at the people, I'm looking at the process, the processes that they have in place or don't have in place. And I'm looking at performance, right? And so, you know, when I do a deep dive, I'm looking at those three areas. And, and you know, and so every client engagement is different. In some situations, you know, and everybody's on their own individual growth journey, right? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, so that journey looks different for companies at different points in their evolution. So in some cases, you know, I'm engaged because they want to hire that first sales rep and they need somebody to come alongside of them and help them, right? Help them source the right talent, help them build a, a solid sales foundation with the right processes. And that could be, you know, sales KPIs, picking our CRM, building a comp plan, whatever. Uh, so I've got that. In other situations, they have salespeople, but the salespeople report to the owner or the CEO. So they're looking to hire their first sales manager because the team's gotten too big. And the CEO shouldn't be managing sales while they're trying to run the business, right? Exactly. Uh, so you have that. And then there's other situations where there's an existing team in place, managers and employees on the sales side, but they want to grow. Maybe they're expanding from being a regional player to a national player or national to global, and they've got to scale quickly. And, and we just got done talking about how that can be challenging in a market like this. So those are typical situations where I'll be brought in to help, uh, you know, on the growth journey. But then the other one, uh, the other example I would give is there's an existing team and, and the team is doing okay, but it's just okay. It's like one of those commercials. I don't know if it's a credit card commercial or whatever, right? These different vignettes and it's like, it's okay. Yeah, you know, your heart surgeon. Yeah, he's okay. Or, <laughs> you know, how great, is, how's great, how great is the food here to the server? It's okay. Right. And so when you have uh, owners and CEOs and when they look at the team, their sales team or their sales leadership team, they're like, you know, what do you think? How would you evaluate them? And they're like, they're OK. Right. And then, so nobody wants to be an OK. Everybody, you know, everybody, most businesses right. have aspirations to, to be better. Right. And I think as human beings, as business owners, aspirationally, you always want to get better. 
what can I do to sharpen the saw and get better? And and so I get I get a lot of that. And you know, my role on the people side is helping them evaluate their current team. You know, do they have the right people in the right roles? You know, you find very often sales leaders, right, managers. Well, how'd you get promoted? I was the top rep. Okay, that's great. You're the top rep. Well, you know, I would tell you in most cases, the top rep at, at a company, any company, is strong ego drive, very competitive, needs to be number one, uh, and they tend to be a lone wolf. They want to do mm-hmm. things their way. And that's great when you're the top rep. But when you're leading a team, what most of these top reps will do when they get promoted is they will sit down with the group that used to be their peers and, you know, they kind of just puff their chest and they throw their shoulders back and they're like, okay, well, hey, uh, I'm, I'm running the show now and, I, you know, I've been really successful. So let's just implement in each of your territories my approach for running the business and you too can be as successful as me. So with that, what's the owner done? They've lost their top rep. The top reps come in there and alienated, alienated the uh, most of the team, and they start to lose people. And then six months in, they're like, "I understand this. I promoted my top rep, and now, you know, I'm I'm not growing. I'm shrinking. How'd that happen?" I'm not saying that every top rep that gets promoted can't be successful in leadership. What I'm saying is, is there's specific attributes that you need, be it a sales rep or a sales leader, to be successful. So what I find with many uh, clients is that people are misplaced. They're good people, and there could be another role for them in that company, but maybe it's not being a sales rep or it's not being a sales leader. Oh. And, you know, I might be able to help diagnose that. Sure. Well, I'll say back to Jim Collins, right? Getting the right people on the bus, but not only on the bus, but in the right seat. Um, it, it's funny. Uh, so over the last year, you know, normally I'm not, sourcing people like you. But in the last year, I've actually had two roles. One is to evaluate the people on staff, if there's an house marketing people, determine if I can help elevate the leaders from a tactical approach or transactional to a a leadership strategic position. And then I've also been involved in, in helping to shape, you know, strategies for hiring and job descriptions and things like that. So I thought that's been very interesting um, in that need that uh, people came to me for that. But I had to chuckle because you're talking about just okay. So I was at a restaurant uh, in Arizona this past weekend. And I literally said to, to the lady, the young lady, so how is this uh, pro, you know, the, the menu item? She goes, it's just okay. I mean, she literally responded to that. I said, what about this one? She goes, that's okay too. I said, well, why don't you just tell me what's good as opposed to what's okay. And I couldn't believe that that's how she was you know, serving it up, but I guess no pun intended, but literally. But, um, but you know what, though? But I appreciate that. And I know this is a sidebar. Um, I do appreciate the candor, you know, because the flip side of it is as a salesperson. OK. And if you think about it and you're a server, you're kind of a, you're kind of a salesperson. Right. Because there's specials that they want mm-hmm. you to promote. There's add ons that are very profitable to the restaurant. So there's a level of sales uh, rep that goes in with being a good server. And what's a pet peeve of mine is when someone tells you everything's great. 
on the menu. Yeah, and I'm like, exactly. okay, well, you know, <laughs> you, you lost me at that. I, I think that's the other side of the spectrum, right? Yeah. 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 But, you know, the, but, you know, there's so many factors that go into it. And, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, when you talk about challenges or opportunities going into 22, I think for many business owners uh, and CEOs, they don't, they don't recognize that everybody sells. Everybody in your company is some level of a brand ambassador. Mm -hmm. If you touch the customer in any way, then, you know, in my view, you're selling, right? You're promoting, you're representing that brand. And all it takes is one person, one person to, you, you know, I'm singing to the choir, one person in your company to lead, to, to create a, a bad impression yep. on, a, on a customer. It could be a longtime customer. It just takes one person. And, and you, could, you could ruin years of goodwill with just one bad interaction. And, you know, obviously in sales, you know, you know that, right? But I do think there, that there's this, there's a, a mixed perceptions that are out there. Well, you know, that's the role of the salespeople. So, hey, customer service, operations, anybody that billing, anybody that touches mm -hmm. that customer, well, yeah, we represent the brand. Yeah, a lot of times when we're developing our marketing strategies and plans, part of that is an internal plan to make sure everybody's on board and in alignment and understands how their role fits into the company and the way and, and how important it is that it, you know, they're a piece of the puzzle, if you will. And without that piece, the puzzle doesn't tell a clear picture. And to making sure that people understand what's going on. It's so many times I, you know, walking down the hall and you see the head of finance and say, hey, what do you think of the new campaign or whatever? And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I did pay your bill, by the way. Oh, okay, thank you very much. But they have no idea what's going on. And to me, that's a disadvantage. Used a, a, a phrase that I have used a lot and that everybody in the company is a brand ambassador. If you get 100 people, when they walk out the door at night, that's 100 people that should be able to tell your story. They can tell you what they do, but they don't always know that picture. And I think that's a, a disservice that companies do to themselves by not really structuring that to make sure everybody's on board. What, um, what, do, what would you do different? If you were starting today, I guess, or hindsight's 2020, but what would you do different? What I would do differently, well, I would have lowered my expectations <laughs> going in, right? For sure. I, I, a couple of things. That's a, that's, a, you know, that's a question no one's asked me. Um, I, I would, I would, if I could go, if I could go back in time to the, you know, beginning of 2018 when I started my company, I would set realistic expectations uh, for more realistic expectations than maybe what what I did going in. I would definitely do that. I would also recognize, underscore, highlight, and uh, that the patience is, is critical. Uh, and I think those two things, setting realistic expectations, being patient, but also having a plan. I had a plan. You know, it wasn't like I just went into it blind. And, you know, I, I, I was pretty methodical and, you know, how do you, uh, build a brand, create awareness about who you are and what you do. We're fortunate in our world, you and I, Angelo, that you know most of the clients that come to us, you know, we're we're getting a, a warm introduction from another service provider, mm -hmm. right? Who's who's a trusted confidant of that owner CEO, uh, and believes in us. Maybe has worked with us in the past, knows what you know how we help clients, 
and then can, you know, introduce us with confidence. So, you know, but it takes time. Those relationships take time. So realistic expectations, more patience and, 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 you know, plan your work, work your plan. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing I would say as well is there, there's this, this concept of nostalgia. And one of the reasons why they call it nostalgia is that when you look back personally and professionally, you tend to think about good things, right? You think about highlights, you know, things that are important to you, that first job, first promotion, marriage, kids, buying your first house, first car, whatever it may be. You, you focus on, most people, focus on the positive things which you don't necessarily think about or remember as vividly is the journey to get there, what it took to get there. So for me, I was really blessed. I was really successful in, in the, my time at FedEx. I started when I was 20 years old. I was getting promoted in, you know, for the first 15 years, every two to three years, you know, moving around the country, each promotion, you know, more money, more responsibility, all that it was great the last 15 years i was a vp of sales so you know i wasn't getting thrown anymore but it was a big job but here's the thing and looking back at that time you know you 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 kind of remember the successes you remember the promotions you remember the highlights you don't remember the grind you don't remember mm -hmm. the journey you don't you don't you forget about the sacrifices and the setbacks and and how hard it was to get there because you're focused on the path forward, you're focused to getting to the top of the mountain or to the top of the next elevation, right? I mean, that's what you're focused on. And, and I, I think I lost sight of that when I, when I started my consulting practice in, in 2018. It's like, well, you know, this should be a no brainer. I mean, I've got all these years of experience working at a Fortune 50 company, very successful at every level I was ever in. And, you know, I feel like I'm a good coach and confidant and, you know, business, you know, just put out your shingle and people come flocking to you. And, and that's not what happened. And and I think part of the reason why beyond realistic expectations, being patient, following, you know, uh, a well laid out plan, I think part of it was forgetting that there's a journey. And so then when success finally comes and hey, when you're starting out as a consultant, success is the first client That's right, right? <laughs> and the first check and then and then and then and then beyond that is when you get to a point where you know wow hey this is i can earn a living you know doing this and i'm helping people helping businesses grow and prosper and i can provide for my family you know so there's this there's certainly uh, a lot of um, gratitude that comes with that and so when you're on the back end of it you know, you're like, wow, this was great. You know, again, no different than climbing to that mountaintop. You know, you you think about the grind getting from the the bottom to the top. No, you're there looking at the vistas. You're looking at the views. You know, or it, you know, could be not that you and I would know, but you know, our wives given you know birth to a child, right? And it's mm -hmm. like, okay, that's nine months, and that's as my wife has shared with me. You know, we have blessed with three daughters. I mean, it's, it is a journey and it is a grind and it is, it seems like it's never going to end. 
And then that baby shows up and it's like, oh my gosh, this is great. And it was worth it. And, and literally like three months, six months later, they're talking about having the next one. It's like, did you forget like how hard this was? <laughs> and, it, and they, and, and it's not that they forget it's that's in the rear view mirror. Right. Exactly. You know, what's in front, what's in front of you is the accomplishment, having the child, getting the promotion, uh, getting the first client, whatever it may be. Uh, and so that's the thing that I think is really neat. And, you know, for anybody who's struggling, listen, consulting's not for everybody. And whatever your your path is that you've chosen, if it's the right path for you, if, you, if you've got a good plan in place and, and, you know, you have the ability to stay the course and be resilient and be patient and do the right things, success will come. But it, it takes time. It just does. And but when it comes, though, it, it's so satisfying. You know, and that's what that was Kobe Bryant's thing, right? You know, you, you got to love the grind. You got to love the day to day. You got to love coming to practice and, and going to the gym and doing things that other people just don't want to do. That's part of being successful. It doesn't happen by accident. Yeah, it, it is. It is. It's a day to day, every day, one step forward. Um, and recognizing the good, the bad, you know, you learn from your mistakes as much as you learn from your successes, because what, what got you to one client doesn't necessarily get you to the next. So it's, it's making sure that you're constantly implementing those plans or efforts that, that you can capitalize on, whether it's awareness building or referrals or just networking, um, you know, in marketing yourself to make sure that you're constantly out there because there is a little bit of out of sight, out of mind. You know, we have a, a group of, you know, people that we network with and there's those kind of close in referral partners and there's the next level out. But, you know, that's a, a pebble in the in the water and it keeps trickling and the, the, the rings keep going out. And, you know, hopefully somebody that's way out there will, will come in at some point in time, which actually leads me to another question is, how did you, how do you market yourself? I mean, you just, we talked earlier, right? You didn't hang a shingle up on the, on the wall and say, Hey, I I'm here. Right. So there's an effort. It's back to that grind, the grind to get there. I, you know, and, and I know from my, my own, you know, when I started this in 2014, it's a very different company today than it was in 2014. As the market changed, as you know, recessions were lingering and, and, you know, people not doing as much research, for example, we had to modify. It was always a process. And I moved up the chain, um, you know, to do more of the fractional work than focus more on research. The research became a arrow in my quiver versus the entire arsenal. And so we have to move and adapt as the markets change and the types of clients and things that you do for them. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, every, every year is different. Um, you know, that, that much I can tell you. And, you know, you do need to, you need to take time to reflect on um, the client engagements when you're a consultant, right? What, what the client, what the needs are. Like, for example, we talked about earlier, hiring has been at the forefront of, of 2021. And I anticipate it probably will be very prominent in 2022 as well. Um, but, you know, this is no different, you know, so you have to take stock of, the year that was, you know, and we're coming to the end of this year. It's a good time to do that. Take stock of the year that was, you know, think about the client engagements and, you know, you know, where you're spending your time. And then, you know, perhaps you, you need to adjust accordingly. 
you know, for me, a couple of things, you know, one was joining some really key networking groups uh, like ProVisors that I know you're in, uh, and Vistage. I'm in a trusted advisors group at Vistage. So both of those have been very beneficial. Uh, I'm also in a Christian business group called Fusion Leaders, uh, which is not really focused on commerce or business development. It's more about fellowship, but that's been that's been very worthwhile and very gratifying to be part of that group. So all these groups that they have in common is um, I mean, people that you're rubbing elbows with are typically serving the small business community, mm-hmm. which really helps from that networking standpoint, right? So, you know, and there's C-suite consultants, meaning sales, marketing, operations, finance, business coaches, I mean, human resources. Those are typically the people that, um, that you know, are, they're good referral partners for us, uh, people like you and I, Angelo, and uh, we're good referral partners for them. And understand, when I refer somebody to my client, I have to be absolutely stone cold positive that that person can bring value and is going to help my client, whatever their needs are. Because when I recommend another service provider, it's a reflection on me, mm-hmm. good, bad, or otherwise. And I don't want a client being like that server you had at the restaurant saying, you know, when I asked them about somebody I've referred, and they're like, they're okay. I don't want, I would never want them to say that. I'd always want them to say, thank, thank you. You know, I appreciate the introduction. This person is really bringing value. So, you're, you know, that that is so important. It's important to the client. It's important to us as service providers. So, yeah, I mean, first things first, promoting your brand, because most of the, the work that we get is through a warm introduction through other service providers. It's, it's really, you know, continuing to nurture that network. I'm a big believer in life and in business. It's all about relationships. And, and relationships are built one person at a time, and you have to nurture them. And it has to, there has to be a, a genuineness, an authenticity that goes with it. So um, that absolutely is key. Um, beyond that, uh, you know, I do think some level of presence uh, via social media, you know, LinkedIn is, is a, a venue that we both leverage a lot. I know we both do videos, which just, you know, you know, sharing expertise. That's all we're really doing. Best practices and expertise in those videos. But trust me, in the consulting world, as you know, heck, in anywhere, right? Prospective clients are checking you out. They're going to your website yeah. and they're going to your social media sites and they're looking to validate. And validation works one, two ways, maybe three. Validate that you're not the right person to help them, which is what you don't want. You are the right person to help them or the middle ground, which is, eh, I don't know. And and I always want it to be right in the middle, meaning that I want to validate that I'm the right person to help them, or at least somebody that it's worth investing you know, uh, time to really vet me mm-hmm. and determine if I could be the right service provider for them. So, you know, that people can refer you all day long. A client will write down your name, but they're going to go check you out in most cases. They will check you out before they talk to you uh, and or after they talk to you before they make a buying decision. They absolutely will do some research. Well, that's and, you know, what's... Go ahead. I was going to add one more thing. What's what's great about this is when I'm working with sales teams 
for different clients, I share these experiences with them. I'll talk about how, you know, what I'm, what I'm seeing in my own business and what I'm doing in my own business. Cause you, you never want to be the guy if you're going to preach marketing best practices, right. Or advocate, be an advocate for best practices mm-hmm. for marketing. And I'm going to do the same thing for sales. Then we need to be doing the things exactly. in our own businesses <laughs> that we tell our clients to do. Yeah, exactly. That's uh that, that's always interesting when uh, yeah. you talk to somebody, they're actually not doing the things that we tell our clients to do. And that's the important aspect. And I think that, you know, having that presence, you know, there's a lot of stats that came out over the last couple of years about, especially in the B2B world, mm-hmm. clients, companies are going right to the internet, they're checking you out on the website. I just had a referral actually from, from someone that I met probably six, maybe six months ago in, in ProVisors. A, mm-hmm. a coach and he referred me in and literally within 10 minutes of him saying i'm going to introduce you i could see uh all the pings coming out of pennsylvania where this client is and um they looked at the site my new site as you know i rebranded from the ponzi group to craft marketing architects so they were hitting that site and we actually just uh, had our first introductory call just prior to hopping on this podcast so there is a process nice. to it Right, that they have to understand and feel that you can provide the solution or provide the guidance, and then they need to have those conversations. So, uh, right. so, so from a marketing standpoint, to all you listeners out there, you can't just regardless whether you're in sales or marketing or operations, whatever else you're doing, you know, a lot of the things that we've been talking about here today, having a strong network, but being out there, being present. You just, you know, we all we all like working from home office now, but you can't hibernate. And never get out there and meet people or have conversations um, because that's who your network is. It, but you also have to have a strong presence in uh, in, on, in social media as well. Let's uh, we're, we're kind of starting to run out of time a little bit. Dob always seems to go so quick when we're talking. Let's let's flip it to clients for a second. I mean, I think a lot of the things that we're talking about really translates to the companies that we deal with as well having an understanding of the marketplace, understanding their customers, customers, right? Understanding that if they're having supply chain issues, that they have to make sure they're communicating that. Um, really digging in. One of the things that, that I do a lot in my practice is I interview my clients' customers. And it's always very telling going in, you know, they love us, you know, we're great and wonderful. And then you talk to the customers and you're finding out different things that maybe aren't so wonderful. Could be about the product, could be about customer service. So there's a real dynamic in, in, in understanding the market in which you compete and those customers and prospects. And I think right. for everything I recommend is whether it's on a big scale or a small scale, is we have to understand that because it really does start to shape everything else, whether it's brand positioning or messaging, which is you know going to help drive in, in sales efforts and things like that. I mean, to me, that's one of the keys that you know we preached a lot early in 2021 and 22 and and I think it's going to be a real strong push again for clients to really get out there and understand and not just throw dollars against tactics. No, agreed. And and as you know, you know, I've had an opportunity to be part of that journey with a number of clients where they do market research, you know, with people like yourself. And it's always fascinating to me because I, I do think, most clients are are probably 
realistic in as far as how they believe that they're viewed by their customers. But when you get the feedback and you you, know, you read some of the verbatims, and you know I'm there for the readout sessions, right? Uh, and so it's like, you know, in in some cases it it, it validates things that I've been telling them, gaps that need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. In other cases, it, it perhaps demonstrate that the sales team, right, being sales specific, specific, is actually doing a pretty good job. You know, I mean, being that brand ambassador and representing the company in a in a in a good manner. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you. You know, you absolutely. I don't know what the cadence is for how how often you should do it. I'm sure you could speak to that, but nothing takes the place of getting third party feedback from your customers. It's you could ask the question all day long as the service provider for product provider. But when a third party does it, 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 that that client will just be very, in many cases, be very, very candid, good mm-hmm. and bad. And you need that. You really know it's not it's not only asking for feedback and doing it somewhat of a regular basis, but also taking the what you've heard and acting on it as appropriate. Maybe not all of it, but look for commonality, right? What are the top three things that right. your customers like? And the top three things they wish you were doing a better job of. And then, you know, you need to make, adjust accordingly. But I think that's in, in structuring that is important, right? It, it, it isn't a one size fits all. I, I mean, recently I did okay. one in the, in the ERP world and we were trying to understand, you know, how people make a selection in that product category. So while we did talk about messaging, there was a lot of getting the ranking because that structures messaging. If, if it's, you know, ABC and the client's, you know, pitching, EFG all the time, then the messages are wrong, right? So we, we understand that. I just, in the one I had today, for example, uh, interviewing is like, I love the product. It's great. It's really saved me all this time and energy and blah, blah, blah. Well, how's customer service? Well, well, I actually had some problems there. Now, if I had just taken, how do you like the product? It's a, you know, it's a 10, but now we got customer service. They're not responsive. It takes me time. And, and so like one of the things I discovered with this particular client, if the client's a big client, there's mm-hmm. a lot of energy put towards that. But if you're a, on the smaller side, you, you know, they're not responsive. It takes time. They're not follow through is bad. And so, you know, that's something that now we've identified that we can put some programs in place to try to address some of that. But if you don't go out and have conversations and talk to the market, you'll just never know those things. Yeah, that's that's a really great point that you make. You know, it's and that's the thing when you think about the customer experience. It's not just the product or service; it's all those touch points, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a book back from the '80s. It was called Moments of Truth, and it, and talked about anybody touches a customer, it's a moment of truth for that brand. You know, positive or a negative impression. We talked about this earlier in the podcast, but you're absolutely right. You know, you and that's why when you're going to spend the time and money doing market research. It should be comprehensive and and you really should be asking about specific touch points and seeing, you know, if again, either validating that you're doing the right things right or identify that there's some gaps that you need to address for sure. And, and why that's so important, and this is what where sales and marketing speak the same language, why that's so important is, you know, when you're out there and you're promoting a brand, you're representing a brand as a sales executive with an existing client or a prospect, you know, 
it's it's that voice of the customer feed. Why do you you know what do you like about us? You know why why do you use us? You know what what is it that stands out? Mm-hmm. That those that feedback those sound bites that should be incorporated into the sales messaging and the marketing messaging. You talked about that earlier about the importance of everybody staying on message, and I agree with you. What's also important is that there's a consistent message, yeah, right? Exactly. You know, from the website to the customer service person to the salesperson, you know, you want to be able to articulate what are those key value drivers and in, in, in the sense of the benefit to the customer, how this alleviates a pain point, mm-hmm. addresses a need, however you want to describe it. You know, it's about what you do and what it, what it does for them as opposed to what you do. Yeah. Right. And that's that customer centric approach versus a product yeah. or company centric, right? If we, I can't sure. speak to your pain if I don't know what that pain is. Right. And, and so, and, and you made a point and we, and we didn't touch on it, but it, it is true. It's about consistency of voice and, and message, um, not just what the message is. And if you got to have alignment, making sure everybody's, you know, marching in the same direction, so to speak. Otherwise, you know, people are giving different, and we've all heard this and seen it. Right, you got ten people, and they're. I do that. Going to ride in an elevator. How would you describe the company to somebody? And I've literally talked to ten people, and I have ten different answers. And these are people that are interfacing with customers. So right there, it just creates a problem. But again, if you don't ask that of the customer and to try to understand their perception, so there's a customer perception, there's the internal perception, and then we need to bring alignment to to create whatever the right one happens to be. Well, to that point, you know, I mentioned this earlier. You're asking, hey, introduce yourself, talk about your business. What do you do? And and my response was, I help companies build and lead high-performance sales teams. That's what I do. And then invariably, when you say that, well, well, tell me more. How do you do that? And then you get into the particulars of consulting versus fractional or whatever it might be. But, you know, if you think about it, if you just say I'm a sales consultant or a marketing consultant, well, okay, great, you're a consultant. There are plenty of those people. No, I help companies build and lead high-performance sales teams. Well, that's a strong positioning too because it helps differentiate you from, you know, the, frankly, the gazillion other folks that are out there. And, and yeah. for me, it's even worse in the sense that people hear the word marketing and they just start thinking websites and digital campaigns. And, you know, that's kind of like complete opposite of what I do. So, right. uh, you know, the marketing architects yeah. is, a, is a point of how to differentiate that. Lou Rich, this has been a, a great conversation, wonderful conversation as always. Um, but as always, we run out of time. And so why don't you um, take a few minutes, tell the audience how they can get a hold of you, connect with you. Sure. All that good stuff. Well, you can. Thank you, Angelo. Uh, again, thank you for having me on today. It's it's always a, a, a pleasure and a privilege to participate in, and be a, a guest in the Business Growth Cafe. So easiest way to connect with me is either through my website, um, just www.salesvelocityadvisors.com or Rich Cacuzzo on LinkedIn. Uh, either one, easiest way to get to me. And uh, again, thanks for having me on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for uh, being on the show and giving some great advice and tips and tricks and guidance to my listeners and to hopefully a whole bunch of new folks out there that will want to meet you and hopefully me as well. Rich, I want to thank you again for joining me here at the cafe today. Wow, some great information, some great exchanges, and I'm sure uh, my listeners are going to benefit from this conversation today. Some great nuggets. We're here in December of 
2021. We're coming in to the home stretch, looking at 2022. A lot of great things to focus on. And you, my listeners, I do encourage you to reach out to Rich if you have a question, if you'd like to talk about building the higher performance sales teams in your organization. You can certainly talk to me about the marketing side. Again, we're a dynamic duo. We could walk in there and work with you. And I'll put some show notes in there on how to reach Rich. Uh, I know he told you, but I'm going to put it in the show notes as well. And if you're a loyal listener, I want to thank you for sticking by me here uh, for the last three years or actually in my fourth year. I actually got a note from one of my listeners the other day of his top podcast that he listens to, and we were number three in his ranking. So, hey, if you are listening and you have some stats you'd like to share with me, please send them in. It's encouraging to know that you guys continue to listen. I can see it. I can see it in the stats when I see it. But, hey, I'd like to get the faces and the names behind all of those. So please send those in. And if you're a listener for the very first time, thank you so much for joining us today. Hopefully you will subscribe to continue to be notified when content is available for you. You can subscribe on any podcast platform you want to listen to, whether you're on iOS and Apple or Android or frankly, Spotify or Amazon or Pandora, you name it, we are there. You can find us easily. You just have to type in the name Business Growth Cafe. So thank you again for listening. And again, join me here next week at the Business Growth Cafe. Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.